Hello, I'm Peyton Squires, and I'm the host of the podcast. This podcast is for those who are dissatisfied with where they are at in their life and career currently. I used to be one. When I got out of college with my master's degree, I started working in banking. I eventually moved to a Fortune 500 company. I quickly find out being an employee was not for me. I was bored out of my mind and did not like it whatsoever. Something eventually lit a fire under me. I started studying for the CPA exam, listening to podcasts and reading books every day. By doing that, I had passed all four parts of the CPA exam in eight months and quit my job. I opened up my own tax firm, having never been paid to do someone's taxes before. That was in 2014. Since then, I've consistently grown my business. Had a lot of success in other business ventures, including real estate, property management, among other things. And now, I'm looking for a new venture. I want to help inspire you and other entrepreneurs to achieve their potentials and dreams, as well as learn from the stories of these entrepreneurs as to see what has gone well and what hasn't gone well for them. Let's go create a bunch of healthy, wealthy, and wise entrepreneurs. Guys, welcome to Behind Their Success. I'm excited here. We've got a great show ready for you today. So let me introduce our guest. It is Mr. Chaz Wolf. He is a high-performing serial entrepreneur who's on a mission to ignite entrepreneurs to create and live the exceptional life. He has built, purchased, and sold multiple seven-figure ventures in franchising, home service, real estate, and consulting. Jazz is studied, accomplished professional who values discipline and integrity. He's an operations and process maximizer and an award-winning sales and business mind. Jazz is known to push the limits of excellence, mindset, and results. As a dynamic leader and facilitator, speaker, he has helped both domestic and international organizations achieve massive levels of growth in all areas. His podcast, Gathering the Kings, has been a fast success and is growing rapidly. On that podcast, he speaks to seven-figure-plus business owners, talks to them about their success, and see what we can glean from all that. Not to mention, he also has some really sweet facial hair and beard skills. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Chad Wolf, I'm excited to have you on here, buddy. Welcome. Dude. Paid, man. I appreciate you. It's funny because we met on my show. We got introduced before that briefly, but really I got to know you through that show. And I don't know if you remember that day, but you were in a suit and tie. You had just I been recognized. You. you had received some awards that day. And you're like, hey, look, don't get it twisted. I'm not really a suit and tie guy. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So Chad, I just kick us off, man. Tell us, give us a little background about yourself and where you've been. Yeah. So I I come from humble beginnings. As I recently formulated in one of my talks at one of our events, I was the underdog and I've always considered myself an underdog. And the funny thing about that is that I've never really liked the underdog story. I've never really liked rooting for the underdog. I always like champions, man. We're both Jordan fans. I know that about us both. And I think I'm drawn to stuff like that because he's a champion. Like, an actual champion repeatedly over and over again, the best. And so that really describes kind of me in a nutshell is not that I'm a champion. I'm in the process of that's how I see myself Mm -hmm. is that came from nothing, grew up single mom family, very interesting beginnings from a financial perspective. I was just on a podcast yesterday talking about how I had friends that got new cars (laughs) when I was 16. Mm -hmm. And all I wanted was just to be able to make it like to and from work and back and have enough gas. I had to borrow money from my grandmother and have her co-sign on a $1,500 car. Who gets a bank loan for a $1,500 car? That was me at 16. And literally going back in like school and work, 
And I just was like on fumes and all I wanted was just a full tank of gas. And I remember those days all the way to fast forward, like you're saying, multiple ventures later, we've had, I think we've started 10, maybe 12 companies. Some of those have been not successful. <laughs> I've <laughs> lost a good chunk of change, but some of those have done really well and we've changed some lives and we've impacted people. And that's probably what I'm most proud of. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you say you come from the humble beginnings. I have similar stories, single mom household. When you look back on that and think about that, was there a grand moment of kind of change there? What initially moved you towards your mindset as it yeah. is, is this big driving guy that wants to accomplish all these goals? I don't know if there were moments, but two pieces, one of which is the blessing of particularly my single mom. I, there's a lot of single moms that are making it work and making it happen, just barely trying to get it. It's just really hard to do it. As a dad myself, I don't have a clue how she did it. I look at my wife and I, and we're like, we're pretty high performing people. <laughs> how in the world did my mom do this? And I guess I say that to say that I learned all kinds of lessons from her because she just freaking never quit ever. And it was like to the bones. I watched her just grit. Like when I think of the word grit, I think of Lisa Guidry. She just didn't have a choice to quit. She could have quit. We both know she could have quit. There's plenty that quit. She just kept getting back up. And a lot of times it was bruised and many tears. And I'm sure I probably wasn't supposed to see most of it. But being mm. the oldest son of a single mom, I got to see most of it. And yeah. that resolve, dude, I, there's just a buoyancy in me where I just, I felt it this morning, 4.30 a.m. And I had to wrestle that 4.30 a.m. Chaz. Like he was a little bit ornery this morning and I had to whoop him mm -hmm. to get going. Mm -hmm. But it's that moment this morning I have to thank her for. Now, the second piece or maybe moment, I was probably 18, 19, 20, and I got involved with the leadership team and I started reading books, man. I started reading Think and Grow Rich and How to Win Friends and Influence People and How to Have Power and Confidence in Dealing with People and How to Raise Myself from Failure to Success in Selling and just some of the classics and really going hard after what is this about personal development? achieving all that I can. And my mind was just opened before I wanted things. Cause when you don't have anything, <laughs> it's pretty natural to be like, Oh, that's cool. My friend has a brand new car. That'd be nice one day. And, and which is more victim mindset. It's not a possibility of I actually think that could happen for me. I wanted it, but I don't know if I had belief. It was just more victim probably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when I was starting reading those books and getting around just people who wanted more out of life, I just changed the perspective from that would be nice to that will be nice. Or one day when I have that, or I could just see it differently. And for me, that's all I needed, man. Once I could see it, I was like, watch out because I'm running hard. I got the grit. Look, I already, I don't even know how to quit. So it's just a matter of time at this point. Those two pieces you talk about in your life, I have very similar experiences myself. I had that single mom working multiple jobs. She got her master's degree at night while raising two kids. And, and seeing that hustle and that grit you talk about, a lot of that was rubbed off on me and you yeah. from our mothers. And, and for the listener, the important thing to take away from what Chaz says there is that he talked about getting around people. He got around a group of people that started him on that self-development process and, and pushing him and opening his mind to a yeah. lot more concepts. Yeah. Even the scenario with our moms, like everything we want in life comes from another person, every mm. perspective change, every key that we're looking for that unlocks the next level. It's always another person oh. and it might be their experience. It might be even God using them, speaking through them 
they're the conduit. And yeah. so however practical or spiritual you want to take that, everything we want, the next level of anything uh, always comes through another person. And for us in both those scenarios is our mom and then other people who just maybe weren't living that same way and, and could open up our minds to really believe something different. And I think that's why I've just latched on to belief and confidence and identity shifting because it really is the baseline to everything. When you shift that, you're like, oh, this is real. I can have that. And we don't have to take it as far as the Rolex and the Benz and the nice house, although those things are fine. I'm talking about what are you made for? I think about the times through my life when you're younger and less mature and you're thinking, yeah, I was even thinking of a story of that a few years ago. I was standing at the Lake of the Ozarks and seeing all these multi-million dollar houses and all these things. And I, I remember almost a key moment there of thinking like, oh, I can do this. I've decided that I want to take the steps to be able to do something like that. And it yeah. really was just a decision I made. Yeah. And some of it's luck or happenstance, like how did you even get that thought in your mind or was God planted it to you or, or what have you? But it really, yeah, it really comes down to your thoughts. It's funny because I had a similar moment with the houses. I owned probably three or four of my first franchise and we did delivery service. And here in Kansas City, there's Johnson County. It's one of the wealthiest counties in the country. And it feels like every house is a million dollar house. <clears throat> at least when I was 25, I bought, bought the first one at 25, second one later that year. And I'm running around doing deliveries, chicken head cut off, stuff like that. And I'm like, what do all these people do? You know, like <laughs> <laughs> same thought, same thought. Oh my, what do they do? And it does build belief, but at some point you, you do transfer that to, okay, I wonder what that looks like for me. And, and then I know you and I share this now, especially with uh, the business that you're in of just money and finance and helping people with that. But once you know that you can do it and then you actually start doing a little bit for me and you now it's actually, yeah, I, we've got some nice stuff. Cool. Fine. But like really what I'm after is like pressing all that to the side. And that's the mm -hmm. harder decision now is no, I could spend money over there, but I'm not going to, because I want the long term. I want the 10, 20, a yeah. hundred year play yeah. or return on investment. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that long-term thing. You hear Alex Hermosi talk about that quite a bit where you can tell about it, like how wealthy or how mature someone is based on the time frames they speak in, right? If they're talking about how much money they're going to make in the next month or next quarter, they're probably not doing as well as a person talking about how much money they want to make the next five years or 10 yeah. years, or like you even said, a hundred years. But yeah. I think you're even further down that line of thinking that I am. I think about the next five to 10. As you achieve certain levels of success and you move up that ladder, like comes so much less about stuff because yeah. as you, you earn more money and you go up that ladder and you buy some of those things that you want, you quickly realize that wow, that's not filling any hole that I had anyway. Yeah. And then it yeah. quickly becomes more about more than just you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember I was probably 26 or seven and bought my first brand new car. And of course, in total Chaz style, it wasn't just a new car. It was a brand new Mercedes. And because nice. Mercedes was like my thing, man. I just always dreamed of a Mercedes. I remember actually when I was probably 11, I ran, <laughs> I was on my bike in the neighborhood and I was gawking at a Mercedes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I ride my bike and then whack, smack the car in front of me and went up onto the back of it. 
And ever since then, I've had to have a Mercedes. Anyway, so I'm 26, 27, something like that, 28, something like that. Bought a new Mercedes and it was like, whoa, <laughs> brand new E-Class getting in and mm-hmm. feeling all sharp and stuff. And I was, but- That first 30 days of that Mercedes, yeah. that shine wears off. Humans are adaptable that- Oh, yeah. You yes. always go back to your baseline, right? So even when you dump these fantastic Mercedes on top of you, like within a few weeks, you're going to be back to the same baseline level baseline. of happiness that you, that you yeah. had. The amazing thing is people like me, other people that have had success, tell everybody this over and over and yeah. nobody will believe it until they experience it themselves. Yeah. It's maybe one of those things you have to experience, but even at this level, like it's still... I almost find myself talking about it often so that I don't get re-sucked back in. If I can commit myself publicly on a podcast with Peyton, <laughs> not like putting down shiny things. Like we live in a beautiful sure. home and I'll probably have another Mercedes one day. But for me, I, I think what really what we're saying is that as you continue to grow, the deeper purpose has to be just something bigger. So if you have a nice car, cool. If you have a nice house, cool. If you got a nice watch, cool. But like, what else is there? <laughs> what else? Because yeah. I just want a bigger conversation. Even after that, even though I could easily afford the things, I'm wondering, man, what else could I have done with that? What else freedom could I have bought for my family or somebody else with that money and how that could have been better used? Most things like that aren't adding that much value to your life. The problem is, is that guys like you and I know too much. Like I know that if I spent $100,000 cash on a new Mercedes, I know the return, the 150 year return to my grandchildren. Oh man. Yeah. And you're like, wait a second, spend a hundred thousand now, or my great grandchildren have 5 million because that's about the ratio. Yeah. Look at the compounding, man. People don't understand compounding interest a few dollars and you go over a hundred years. It's bananas. No, I'm not saying don't ever have joy. Like you got to have joy, whether it's the the, the trip or the stuff. I'm not saying cut all things out, but I think in that moment, like that decision for me is I'm choosing selflessness. Do I really need this today or would I rather set up something else in the future? And for me, it's an identity-based decision, right? I know Mm -hmm. that like the biblical reference of King David, I know that I'm, I'm a king, but I know that I'm David. And the difference between David and Solomon was immense wealth. And the reason why Solomon had all the wealth is because David subdued all the enemies and gathered all of the belongings, all the wood. Planted all the the seeds, right? Yeah. And so I know I'm Mm -hmm. David and that's okay. And so now it's my job to teach them what to do with it so they don't freaking lose it like Solomon. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, man, and that's something I think a lot about really is, and I like the story and the analogy used there of David and Solomon is like our kids' childhood experience are vastly different than what me and you experience. And I guess, I don't know, the worrier in me or concerned person in me is, I don't want my kids to be spoiled little brats. <laughs> How do you teach your kids without exposing them to harm or to tough situations, right? We want to protect them from tough situations, but then teach them at the same time. And those kind of aren't congruent. You're 100% right. Because just the simple fact that you and me are in their life, their lives are different. No monetary yeah. consideration whatsoever. And so I think you're right that it's a burden that sounds negative, but it's a weight that we carry. And so I'm like strategically thinking, how do I do this? For me, it's like, if I give my children the silver spoon, right? Like I don't want them to experience anything that I did. Like, why would I want that for them? I understand Mm -hmm. that perspective. And there's a lot of parents that are successful like us that do that for their kids. The other way is like, oh, I'm not giving them nothing because I know what it took to get here. So I ain't giving them jack. 
because they got to figure it out on their own. Do either one of these really truly get the job done? The guy that doesn't give their kids anything is just plowing his own trail through the corn or beans. And when he's done, he's done. He's okay. You do your thing, get your own combine, find your own field, figure it out. Why would I have my kids go through the exact same problems that I've already found a solution to? That doesn't sound smart or efficient. That doesn't sound like evolution or winning, right? And over here, you have the guy that's like, hey, here's the keys literally to everything. You have my field, you can have my combine, everything. I didn't spend any time with you teaching you how to use it. So you're just as broken as the other guy who doesn't know how to do anything. And now you got big tools to hurt yourself with. (laughs) Yes. And inherit a million dollars or a hundred million dollars and you're just going to hurt yourself. So how do we do this in between? It's like, well, while I'm plowing, even when the kids are young, I bring them in and I'm not trying to teach them anything at the beginning. They're just poking around and stuff, but we're having a good time. We're spending time together. We're integrating and they get a little older. I start teaching them what every little button does. And eventually they start sitting on my lap and eventually they start sitting in the seat and I start sitting by their side. And eventually now they're running the thing. I'm just there. And eventually that I'm holding their kids. I'm sitting on the little bitty seat next to it. You know, I'm sitting on that one, holding their kids while they're running the combine. And there's this generational transfer, not just of money, but of knowledge and the stuff that goes along with it. So you don't freaking lose it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's Warren Buffett that has a, a famous quote or a way he advises people is he wants to leave his kids enough money that they can do anything they want, but not enough money for them to be able to do nothing. If that makes sense. So give them enough teaching and resources that they can literally go after and attack whatever they want in the world, whether it's be a kindergarten teacher or whatever it is, but not enough to where they're going to blow themselves up and destroy themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think of just certain families. The obvious one is the the Vanderbilts and the Rockefellers. This has been a thing for a long time. It's why does one family still today have uber amounts of wealth and the other one doesn't? It's because not only did they think about these things ahead of time, but they put systems and organization and things in place so that the family can follow these things, knowledge-based things, and then actual structure, not just ideas, structure, legal mm. documents <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. that, can, yeah, yeah, that yeah. can ensure the knowledge actually plays through the money. You know what I mean? That's funny. You talk about like the Vanderbilt, Anderson Coopers, who's a famous news guy. He is a Vanderbilt. His generation was like the first generation where you started to see almost that success again, like that bounce back, like every generation before his in the Vanderbilt family had all this money and all these people had all these awful stories and all these awful situations they got themselves into. And he's like the first guy that's rebuilding it. Yeah. I heard actually just recently something about whenever his mom, I don't know how old he was, but his mom was like, Hey, look, I know you're a Vanderbilt, but it doesn't mean anything anymore. Basically. I don't know if that's the exact quote. Your name's on a college, but that's about it. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to have to go figure it out, buddy. And good for him uh, or anybody else for that matter, like you or me, there was nothing given to us. So is it possible? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. So I'm, I want to ask you, what would you credit as the best decision you've ever made? Ooh, marrying my wife. And there's a lot that goes into that. Like I'm genuine about that answer. I think it's for all entrepreneurs. It is one of the most, if not the most critical decision. And fortunately I made it early in life. But also, fortunately, I made a good decision and I don't, I want to say, I don't know how I, I, th- I think I know how, but I met her when I was 18. She was 17. We were in high school, but I knew, bro. I knew I was certain <laughs> she wasn't, but I was, 
You had to convince her, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I had the whole thing mapped out. Like I, I could see today. Not exactly awesome. in detail, but you get what I'm saying. The crazy thing to think about, and I've thought about this too. It's we say choosing your partner is like the the number one Incredible. key decision to make, but you do it when you're really young, right? Just generally, and yep. you're immature. You have no idea what you're doing. Sometimes I wonder the same time as like how, I guess it was just pure luck because I certainly didn't know what I was doing. And I found a fantastic partner and it was, I don't know, almost no credit to myself other than once we've gotten together, we've made the decisions that yeah. to grow together. We, we've made the decision that no matter what, we're going to just figure it out. Yeah. I mean, really what you're saying is that you had no way at whatever age you were when you met her or me at 18, I had no way of knowing that Julie would be growth-minded, optimistic, a great mom, a great lover, a great, all these things that really go into that decision. Why is the spouse a great decision specifically for men? Because it's like the next line. Like I can come in here to the office or go out to the battlefield in 200 years ago. And then I come back and when I come back, that right there, that interaction is everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm a pretty traditional guy. Julie's a pretty, pretty traditional gal. And that's just the way that we write our book. And so we're okay with that. But for what that looks like for me is that I'm able to be a high performer because Julie allows for that by bridging the gap in a lot of different areas. And I think I'm able to allow her to be a high performer in her lanes because I take care mm -hmm. of the burden of this. So to your point, you've made a decision to grow together, work together. We've clearly defined the roles and the lanes and we've committed. Julie and I got married at, at 20, basically. So if we live to be 120, let's say we'll have been married for a hundred years. That was a hundred year decision, a century. Was I really capable of that? No, but <laughs> I feel like God is right. God's capable of that. And whether he manipulated the situation for us to be together, particularly or especially or not, there was other things happening outside of my own force to, to your point. Sure. So what Chaz is looking at 18 year old Chaz right now, what would you tell him? I would yeah. just simply whisper in his ear, look, man, you got it. You can do it. And I've always been confident, but a lot of confidence is, is bolstered up by half baked things. And that's okay for a while because my cookie jar at that point, mm -hmm. use David Goggins as a reference here. My cookie mm -hmm. jar was just not that full, but I was still really confident or proud of myself for those few things. But I didn't really know. I didn't really have confidence, maybe more courage because I did it anyway, even though I was young and scared to death and had no clue and was taking risks and had nobody to teach me. Nobody. Yeah. So what does that look like? I just would have breathed just belief, encouragement, like, dude, mm -hmm. you got it, man. Freaking do it. You're going to be all right. It's all going to work yeah. itself out. Yeah. Just like everything's going to be okay. Yeah. You talk about the David Goggins reference there, the cookie jar. And it really is. It's like building a muscle. It's like the first step is just doing something that you said you were going to do and yeah. hold yourself accountable to that. And you do that. And then you do it again. And then that cookie jar, that confidence level actually starts. You're like, wow, I'm not a total waste of space. I'm actually doing what I said I was going to do. Yeah. And, and that is literally the springboard yeah. to give you the confidence to take off. And that piece right there that Peyton just gave to you as the listener is something that happens every single day. Today at 4.30, I had to do it again. I had to say, you know what? I've made a commitment to me and to a couple of other people. Get your hiney out of this bed. And you freaking do it. I want to continue filling the cookie jar. I want to continue 
proving to others and to myself that I am someone who does what I say. So Chaz, how can people connect with you, man? Yeah. Gatheringthekings.com is the website to our peer-to-peer mastermind group where we host and facilitate all types of virtual and in-person events for entrepreneurs and high-performing folks that want to go to the next level. And so they can get information about what we're doing there. Of course, the podcast is on there and anything else that I'm involved with, but that'd be the best way to connect with us. You know, and I want to highly recommend Chaz's podcast. He's getting some huge, awesome names on there, interviewing so many fantastic entrepreneurs around the country. There's so many lessons, conversations similar to this, so many lessons that can be gleaned from all people's different experiences, right? He said that the stupid man never learns. The smart guy learns from his own experiences and the wise man learns from other people's experiences where you can get those experiences without all the scars that come along with them. So yeah, highly recommend Chaz and everything he does. You know, I'm in that mastermind group. It's been fantastic for me being surrounded by like-minded people like this that we can pour into each other and keep each other confident and hold each other accountable to what we say we're going to do, which can be tough sometimes, right? A little intimidating sometimes. That's right. That's right. And that's the idea is that you're stepping into something that maybe you're not super confident with, but you have courage. The last piece that I want the listeners to do after they, or maybe even before they go to Gathering the Kings, I want them to go to this show on Apple, Spotify, wherever, YouTube, subscribe, leave a five-star review. This is how good stuff like this gets out. And so if you're listening right now still, then that means you've gotten value from Payton in the show. So just give a brother a five-star review. And not only will that give him courage, but it will also be able to get his message of helping entrepreneurs and people build wealth to more people at a 10X rate. Jazz, I appreciate you, brother. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you found it valuable, please rate, review, and share it. That is the best way to help us build this and reach more people. As we're trying to accomplish our goal of help creating more healthy, wealthy, and wise entrepreneurs. You can follow us on social media by searching for me, Peyton Squires, or going to PeytonSquires.com. On the website and social media, we're always sharing tips of personal growth, and there we can actually interact. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, guys.